It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. Oh, we'll rally around the flag, boys, rally once again, shouting the battle cry of freedom. We will rally from the hillside, we'll gather from the plain, shouting the battle cry of freedom. I'm really honored today to have a guest, Paso's Vice Mayor John Hammond. Thank you for uh, appearing here on the very first program, John, of uh, Slow Public Policy in the Law. Honored. Honored to be here. Thank you. Glad to have you. And uh, I just wanted to give our audience a little bit of background on you. And uh, I, uh, I see that uh, you actually grew up in Lompoc. And, yes. And uh, made your way here by going to Cal Poly. Yep, yep. That's how my wife was from Paso, and my, I'm basically fourth generation. My great grandfather dug the tunnels over Cuesta Grade, and the Portuguese side came from the Azores. And sure. So we've been on the coast for quite a long time, and uh, going to be here for the rest of my life, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, your uh, your family has a uh, significant business uh, in Hammond Overhead Doors. I. Uh, I know our uh, our company has actually uh, used your services and uh, very yeah, thank you very wonderful services. Yeah, but yeah, it's been quite a you know about forty two years, forty four years I think now somewhere in there that uh, my wife and I have been pushing that forward, and now our son has it. Um, I'm stepping back, and Jay will take it. He's John the third, and he actually has John the fourth at home. So hopefully <laughs> there'll be a, a bunch of Johns here <laughs> in the next. 50 years, I hope. There you go. There you go. Well, we look forward to that. And uh, right now, uh, I understand you're serving your fifth term as council member in uh, in Paso Robles. Yes. Yeah. We were not really wanting to move forward with a, a fifth term, but um, this is the first year that my seat has actually had to go through an election where we were in districts. Um, we were all, I think, all the different agencies were served with letters saying that you weren't diversified enough, even though we had a Hispanic and a woman on our board. Um, but at any rate, we had to get into districts, which, um, again, all the different uh, public agencies are having to do that now. But anyway, the issue is that um, in my district in town, there was uh, really nobody had uh, wanted to do any service work with the city or sit on any commissions or anything like that, and uh, no one's stepping forward. So... Um, I asked, you know, with my coming off the door company, I said, well, why don't we just try it? Now is actually the time that I should be doing these kind of things. And, and so I said one more time. And so, um, of course, I was reelected and, um, and then appointed um, Mayor Pro Tem by the rest of my colleagues. And so that's what we're doing. And, and I've always enjoyed it. It's fun. I, I, I like the challenges, you know, in government and also bring a common sense point of view, usually from business side of thinking uh, to the table, and that's what I've done for the last uh, 15 years. So at any rate. Um, well, wonderful, wonderful. And, and it's, you know, it's important to have continuity in service. Uh, it looks to me like you actually have several new members of the council. Yeah. Um, and uh, you're, you're representing essentially the northern side of Paso Robles. Yeah, northwest corner, so to speak, from 12th Street all the way around to the airport mm -hmm. is my district. And again, we are the, the last two, Mayor Martin, myself, and 
Chris Bausch, who was uh, the new appointed uh, person from his district that they vote, uh, voted in. Um, and now we are, again, um, seated and moving forward with all kinds of business for the city. Well, of course, you have Fred Strong, who I think has been uh, on the council for, what, 50 years? Uh, not quite 50, but I think he came on a year before I did or, or somewhere in there. But, um, yeah, I think he's in his uh, fifth term, too, somewhere in there. Sure, sure. Well, now, you uh, you made a recent trip back to Washington, D.C. to yeah. to lobby for the city. What uh, what were you yeah. doing? Well, uh, it was twofold, actually. We, we are... In, have an opportunity here in Paso Robles to have uh, a, a spaceport a license through the FAA. Uh, and there was a conference going on in Washington, D.C. on spaceports, so we went there for that. Um, but also, while we were there, we took the opportunity to knock on doors, and we actually spoke with um, Senator Feinstein and, and Senator Badia's um, staff uh, about help here for... Um, an infrastructure issue that we need uh, for our 46 East uh, Highway going to our airport. Uh -huh. um, we also spoke with uh, our Congressman uh, uh, Benetta, who is now now in our our new representative for, for our area, and then also Carvajal, who was our representative, um, and also McCarthy. We we stopped at uh, Senator Kevin McCarthy's uh, or Congressman's. Uh, Speaker, basically now, yeah. um, Kevin McCarthy's office, and uh, of course that was the day of the State of the Union, and so therefore he was a little bit busy. But uh, we spoke with the staff and got them fully versed. And what we were trying to do is bring up the the vision that his uh, coming from Bakersfield, coming from Fresno, all centering here and past Robles with the highways and the 101 and all those 41, 46 highways. That this is going to be a very, very important part of California. And especially if we bring the FAA's uh, license here to pass Robles to allow horizontal spaceport launches, um, we have a lot of people knocking on our door already because they've heard about this, and they've really—it's uh, a—it's a need in our space industry right now that there are not very many places where they can put their projects up in the space. Um, these are small, what they call CubeSats, that we're going to be looking at. CubeSats are. Um, probably about two foot long and about maybe eight inch square, maybe 10 inch square. Wow. Not very large, but they do a, quite a lot of research and, and um, they're in low earth orbit. Um, and so Cal Poly is integral to this. They have a whole department uh, on CubeSats that um, they're in conjunction with us. They also went to Washington with us and they are uh, helping us apply for the FAA license. So what we're going to tailor this spaceport for is educational purposes because you have over 50 universities uh, around the world that are that have departments uh, with regard to CubeSats and there is really no, uh, they're kind of lower on the totem pole so to speak as opposed to commercial um, launches that would happen to put CubeSats in the uh, space area. So if we then get this license and tailor it more to the educational side of projects and, and, and also commercial. Um, that might be a more um, opportune way with Cal Poly rising to the top and allowing you know that department to grow and flourish as well. We also have Vandenberg right here on our coast too. So sure, I mean it's so there's a very unique um, area of of the coastline here now that has been 
given an opportunity to explore, and that's what we're doing. Again, nothing's guaranteed that we're going to get this license, but we are fully, you know, looking to explore all possibilities. What, what kind of a response did you feel that you got from the various elected officials? Well, everybody, the, the big, the, what we were looking for from the officials is infrastructure. So mm-hmm. the airport, the Pass Rebels Airport, was built in 1941, and it was used during World War II as a training uh, facility. Uh, the county uh, was given the airport back, I guess, after the war, maybe the 50s. Uh, Paso Robles bought it uh, for a dollar, I think it was, in 1971 or three, somewhere in there. The county was that, trying to get rid of it, weren't they? Yeah, I think that was basically it, yeah. And so we have had this airport in our facilities. It's actually the longest runway in the whole county that um, has been pretty much a diamond in the rough. We have a lot of ground here um, that other airports like San Luis does not have. Um, and so we've been slowly developing it with other industries and things, and it's always been part of the city. And, we, we, and I've been out here personally since 1979 with our office and, and such. So it's one of those things where, uh, you know, it, it could develop into a very uh, unique area, but with the fact that, you know, this is coming, our roads to the airport and, and coming off the highway are just not adequate. Um, further on that, um, I don't know if you remember the boys' school, the California Youth Authority, sure. yeah. uh, was just sold to uh, Majestic, who was a developer out of Los Angeles area, that takes these kind of projects and develops them and turns them around into uh, a viable um, type of project. So they've done it all around. Matter of fact, I've had a meeting with them recently, and they were explaining the other parts of the United States that they've worked in and. They're uh, for real company. They're privately owned, uh, family owned, and they are huge, though, with regard to these kind of projects. So anyway, they have now inked it, so to speak, with the state of California. It was a surplus property that they bought. And so they'll be uh, going now through the city because it is within our city limits and we have jurisdiction on it. So um, what they are envisioning are uh, some very huge buildings, some of the biggest buildings I've ever seen in the county. But if that happens, uh, the again, the roads and the infrastructure to get trucks in and out, it's just not going to be adequate. So the point, though, is, is to get uh, an overpass, which is what Caltrans has demanded that the city will have to do, um, at our Union Road, where the old Highway 41, 46 used to be, comes into now the new 46. Sure. Right there, Union Road and 46 East, right there will be um, an overpass that will um, get more traffic easily in and out of the airport well, area. That'll very much improve safety right there. It, uh, absolutely. I've seen several cars and, and young kids get killed right there yeah. uh, at that intersection. So I was always advocating for the last 10 years that we should put a light there, just like we do at uh, Golden Hill Road. But, again, the District 5 director said, not on my watch, I'm not going to allow you to do it. And uh, even though I explained, when you go over to Fresno, you see all these traffic lights you know, on Highway 41, 46 yeah. over there. Um, he says, not on my watch. I'm not going to allow that. So this is the guy that we were having to deal with. And so anyway, it, it's a $53 million ticket uh, to, to build an overpass, and there's no way this city can handle that. So uh, with President Biden and all his um, funding that he's throwing out there right now, and part of it is for bridges and such, so we're asking to have uh, pass rebels seat at the table. It's our turn. You know, Paso and this whole Central Coast 
is a very, again, with the key roads coming in to pass Rolls 101 and 46 East, these are critical points, I think, for transportation that the whole state needs to look at right now. Well, there's and going to be more traffic. I just saw in today's Calcos News that uh, there's a $116 million to widen 46 uh, further east. Oh, yeah. They, they've got, well, the, the, I think the last one was like four or five miles worth, and it was $170 million. I mean, the big price tickets that are, are going out there for these kind of um, widenings are huge. But um, I think, again, it's, it's, it will come. Um, there, everybody complains and says, you know, it's blood alley when you get onto these roads. And it's gotten better over the years. I mean, we've been here for a long time and seen a lot of accidents. Matter of fact, I was on the Paso Robles Fire Department for 20 years, and we'd see responses that we'd have to go out there to see some really nasty wrecks. And so it's one of those things where it's our time, I believe, for the Central Coast, not just Paso, but for Slocog and everybody to get on board here with regard to helping this uh, happen. And I think it will uh, be a good opportunity for everyone. Well, I, I think that's uh, great work that you're doing there. And the, the, uh, I want to segue back a little bit to the redistricting that, or the districting yeah. that, that you ended up uh, having to do in Paso Robles. I, I uh, downloaded the 2019 map and the 2021 map, they're very similar. Mm -hmm. uh, but before that, uh, everybody was elected at large. Uh, yes. Have you, have you noticed any significant differences in, uh, in things since you've adopted districts? Well, um, the one fear that I had was, and this is, I guess, what happens with every district that you're in, is that that particular elected official now only thinks of his district and no one else's. And so... That, uh, I hope, never happens. I, mean, I would never do that. I think, again, we, we serve the whole city, not just a certain portion of it. Um, but that is, I think, the fear on any district, that you're always looking to you know, improve yours and not so much the others. And, um, uh, you know, Paso is a small town, and, and, and I think in our district here, um, in each district there, we have about 35, maybe 4,000 voters um, in my own district. But... Again, it's constituents-wise, we, we serve everyone. And that would be the only thought that I could see that some uh, particular colleague might do something like that. Um, but, again, for me, I, it's, we're all about Paso Robles, every one of us, and I think you know, we would never have that issue. So, sure. uh, But districts are districts, and we have, you know, we've always had it for this uh, county. And we have you know, uh, John Pershong for our District 1. Debbie Arnold and, and you know different sections of the county have been doing that way for a long, long time. So it's nothing new to the voters. But um, what I was a fear of is that the person from my district it has to be living in my district. So you can't um, elect somebody for my seat from across town. Sure. So what what's scary is that no one sometimes really wants to step up and do this kind of work. So you could have somebody technically come into town last month and live, and I'll say, oh, yeah, I can do that. I'll sign my name into that, and, you know, it gets a couple of votes, and he technically would be in for that seat without any history or any knowledge or any, you know, voter approval, roughly, of, of the rest of the district. So I, that is why, one reason I did go ahead and, and re-up one more time. I, I, it's my... My goal here to be on the hunt for the next three or four years to find somebody that you know might be able to start serving and learn a little bit. Um, my my history was I started again with the volunteer fire department back in the 80s, 
And then I went to the planning commission, and I was wanting to, you know, get into um, the council by being pushed by Mayor uh, Meacham. But at any rate, it was one of those things where you kind of step up. You're, you're learning all along all the infrastructure, all these different things about what the city has to do to, to run efficiently. And you just can't step in and just say, okay, I can vote for that or not vote without any history behind you. So uh, I'm a little concerned about districts in that manner. Um, there's a challenge I've heard uh, from this individual who was going around the state serving uh, different agencies with this letter saying that you weren't diversified enough. And I said that earlier about Maria Garcia, that Santa Monica is fighting it. Other big cities down in Los Angeles area are fighting it and apparently starting to make headway in the courts. Um, it was one of those things where we were served with a letter saying that if you're uh, not going to be in districts, we're going to sue you to be that way. And uh, we've seen other big cities to the, you know, tens of millions fighting something like this and losing through the courts because uh, essentially I think the state wants it to happen. The smaller the divisions, the easier it can control. And so I think that is the reason. But now I'm hearing recent stories that Santa Monica and some others down there apparently are making um, good headway on maybe having this reverse where we can all still be at large at the end. Uh, I hope so, anyway. Small cities, it's just, it's, it's, it doesn't work for tiny, small cities. It's, and they're, they're talking about doing any kind of, uh, like a water district, you know, where you have just a small group of people be the same way. Um, now, have, you been, uh, have you been appointing people to uh, the Planning Commission and other uh, commissions that can uh, step into your shoes? Yes, that's, that's, that actually is the, the area that I like to see because they're the most closest to making uh, decisions that are final, usually unless it's appeal to uh, city council. But um, they have a very good base of knowledge you know, with what goes on to getting things done in the city. So that's a good um, incubator, so to speak, of, of putting people in there. And whether they're willing to carry on, I, you know, I... If some of our listeners in the North County are interested in getting involved uh, so that they can, uh, you know, uh, help the city, uh, what do you recommend that they do? Well, anytime, you know, we always publicize uh, the openings that come up. And, you know, we always have rotations on these boards. Not everybody comes off at one time. A certain portion will. So um, we always are advertising every year, every quarter usually, of something happening where we're going to look for more uh, help to be uh, put on a board. So that's that's really where it is. Um, you know, you need to be engaged in the city. You need to understand what's happening and uh, then apply. And then, you know, they, we always um, have these interviews with the council and we, we pick the best that we can find and then we, you know, move on. But um, certainly engage, you know, the city in any way they can help. Again, Paso's always been pretty good. I mean, the citizens... They, they, when they, there's a need, they step up. And, but, uh, you know, sometimes they uh, don't want to get involved in politics as much. So that is, I think, always an issue. I, I've never really had a problem, personally. I just, you know, kind of bring my business sense and common sense and what should be done, you know, pretty much. And that's, I speak my piece, and that's what happens with the, with the vote, hopefully. And if not, then so be it. It wasn't, uh, wasn't that way. But... Have you got some uh, other? Well, I know there's been a significant issue with the parking downtown lately. Yeah, uh, that's yes. been somewhat controversial. Yes, it has. It's been very, very uh, hard to deal with with some of the new. Well, um, we have a new council person on that um, didn't have the same opinion as the rest of us. 
it was probably about three or four years ago where we were petitioned and screamed at basically saying there's no parking downtown. We need to build a parking structure. Okay, so I said, yeah, I'd love to do that, um, but we don't have you know $25 million sitting in our pocket. But what I said is first step, in any case, what we would have to do is manage what we do have, and management means time parking. So what we were finding and what we were seeing is it was mostly the business owners and their employees who would uh, park in the downtown core, so all day. And they did not quite understand business-wise where you, you know, want to turn that space over and over as many times as you can a day so that you can get more people through your front door. And uh, that was the mentality. So what we said, okay, we're going to manage and put time parking in. So originally we were going to do one hour free, and it was one hour, a uh, dollar an hour after that. That got modified to be uh, two free hours and one dollar an hour. So that's the way it's been for the last two or three years. And it, the issue with that is because of all the staffing and the cars and the equipment and everything that basically you have to put in place to make time parking happen is that it wasn't making money. It was in the red. And the commitment was that we borrowed um, about $750,000 from the general fund, and we said in five years we're going to make it in the black. It's going to pay for itself back. It's not happening. So this last time around, we uh, a month or so ago, we said we're going to get rid of all the time park uh, free parking, which is really the problem. Um, you know, the, you don't see free parking in San Luis Obispo, <laughs> except for the except for your you know parking structures, which again it's only an hour too. Uh, even but even there, it's uh, changing. So yeah, well that's it. I mean, it's, it's there's you've got to be able to make it pay for itself. It's I personally I don't really see it as being a uh, revenue source uh, to make money for something else. Although you could be, you know, that is a possibility how you could pay for a structure in the John, future. we're we're coming up on a hard break here. So we're, we've got to, you know, pay the bills here and have a little bit of news. So we're going to take a quick break here, and uh, then we're going to come back, and I, I want to ask you about some of the other big issues in Pastor Rubles after the break. Very good. Thank you. All right. Please, sir. 